0: Last week, Isaiah kicked us off uh, with uh, a new series called The Games. And it's going to be a four-part series. Uh, We have two more weeks after this week that we'll be talking about um, sports. But we're going to be looking at how the Bible uses different sports illustrations um, to describe the Christian walk. And as we began last week, hopefully, you'll see that there is very powerful and real connections when we look at the world of sports. And we can see how these things can help us uh, in our faith journey as followers of Christ. So last week, Isaiah kicked us off by looking at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. And uh, after seeing someone preach and not me preaching every single week, seeing somebody else do it was very fresh for me. And hopefully it was very fresh, refreshing and a huge blessing for you as well. Uh, Today, we're going to be continuing this journey, uh, and we're going to be looking at another important aspect of sports and athletics uh, and our spiritual walks. Uh, Today, I want to begin by first reading the scripture reading once again, and we're going to be kind of breaking this down uh, and taking out a few different things uh, apart from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Uh, and we'll be reading from the New King James Version. Uh, Jaylene, I don't know if you have it on the next slide. Perfect. Okay, let's read it together. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're looking at the book of Hebrews today, and as you'll notice in every week for the next two weeks, we'll be looking at different parts of the Bible. Uh, But Hebrews is using this analogy of running a race uh, in comparison to living a life faithfully for Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 12 is interesting. Uh, It starts off by saying that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. But what exactly is the book of Hebrews talking about? Is he talking about some cloud in the sky? Is he talking about the Spirit? What exactly is the book of Hebrews referring to when he says a great cloud of witnesses? Last night for our Vespers, we had a few discussion and thoughts and talks about it. Uh, Some of the youth were saying, oh, is it angels? Like, what is this great cloud of witnesses? And it is a very interesting thing. Uh, But it's important if we are to understand the progression and the logic that Hebrews chapter 12 is taking us. Uh, We have to look at the context and the few of the key words in that very first sentence. And the big hint here is the very first word, which is what? What is the first word? Let's see. Okay, the first word is therefore. Therefore. Right, So when we look at the word therefore, basically it's tying us back to the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And so in order for us to understand what this great cloud of witness is and what it's talking about, we have to see what's being said in the previous chapter. So uh, just remember, historical context, the biblical context is that uh, chapters, verses, titles, all of these things that we find in our Bibles now, uh, were not there uh, when they first put together the Bible that we know it as of today, right? These are things that were added much later because it was for structure. It just made more sense. Uh, but in our case here, if we were to look at it, you would see that it's very connected. Right. So if you look at chapter 11 and if you get the chance to do so, we're not going to do that today. Uh, but this is where we find very well-known uh, and by the, this this popular, very well-known uh, passage that goes, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Moses, by faith, by faith, by faith. So we see this repetition of story after story of these greats of faith, account after account of these stories of people of faith, overcoming different trials and different tribulations, right? People of faith being obedient to God, people of faith having strength and reassurance in the promises that God has for them. So I think it's important that we emphasize the logic here that Hebrews is trying to lead us through, right? Um, After this huge chapter where we find, by faith, this person did that. By faith, this person was able to do this. By faith, this person persevered. We see all of these things. Uh, Next slide. It says Hebrews is telling us that we can run the race because of the testimony that the heroes and the heroines of faith has left behind, right? So think of it this way. I don't know about you, uh, but when you guys uh, go and decide to eat at a restaurant, obviously not right now, not COVID time. But how many of you guys use the app Yelp like, to, to decide like whether a place is worthy or not of your money and your time and your appetite? Does anyone use Yelp or just like Google reviews or anything, any kind of uh, uh, like a food app or whatever it may be? Um, I don't know about you guys, uh, but I definitely do. I always look at the reviews of a restaurant. Um, It's just kind of a habit because I just want to know, you know, I don't want to just risk it. I'm not that adventurous in that sense, Uh, but I want to know, like, what exactly uh, am I getting myself into? Like, what's good here? Like, what's popular? Um, What do people say about the food? Uh, And usually by looking at those reviews, it determines whether or not I want to actually eat there, right? Um, So last week, actually, I went to Loma Linda last week uh, and I was there. I decided that I needed to grab a quick lunch. So I was there running a few errands, uh, dropping off a few things and doing a few things. But I decided, well, I need to grab lunch. Loma Linda is not really popular uh, for the food that they have there. It's just not not very good. Uh, But I thought, well, you know, I'm going to play it safe and I'm just going to go to Subway. Right. You can't go wrong with Subway or at least that's what I thought. Uh, but I remember looking at the reviews before going there just out of curiosity and it said three stars. Okay. So it's like not full five stars. It's not even four stars. It's not even 3.5. It's just three stars. Right. So it's just like kind of borderline 50 50 and I'm taking my chances now. Um, and I'm thinking, all right, let me look at the reviews. Why is it just three stars? You know, there's a bunch of reviews. Uh, I look at it and there's like a lot of negative reviews, right? oh, slow service, the quality, it's not fresh, right? I thought Subway is supposed to be fresh. Uh, One of the reviews that I thought was really funny was uh, the person was complaining about the service and uh, this individual said, you know, I asked for olives and they gave me exactly five olives, right? So I'm just like looking at these reviews and thinking, yeah, I don't know, like, is this going to be a good idea? Like, should I go here? But I thought, you know, being the optimistic person that I am, I said, well, let me just give it a shot. I'll just go. And I'm sure it can't be that bad, right? People maybe are just picky. Maybe it's the heat that's getting to them, right? Uh, And so I went. Uh, But I'll just say uh, it was probably the most disappointing lunch at Subway I've had in a very long time. And I don't think I'd ever go back again. Uh, But when we look at these like Yelp reviews or these Google reviews on like different restaurants and whatnot, at least for me, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to look at the testimonies that people have of their experience at whatever particular restaurant I'm looking into. Right. So when we look at these reviews, when we're looking at these people's different experiences, their testimonies, a lot of the times uh, these testimonies, these experiences that people have, have a direct impact on the experience that I will have, okay? So likewise, when we look at the book of Hebrews, when we look at chapter 11, what chapter 12 is telling us to do in the book of Hebrews is to look at this cloud of witness, right? So like I said, if you haven't had the chance to look at Hebrews chapter 11, just read through it this afternoon. It's not very long. It's very easy to follow, very well structured, but it's telling us that our Christian race, the race that we run as Christians, can be influenced when we look at the testimonies of these heroes and heroines of our faith. It's by looking back, this is what this cloud of witness is all about. It's not about like the angels in the sky or God is like watching down upon us and and pinpointing everything that we're doing. It's about looking back at the people in our Bible and how that has an influence on the experience of the Christian race that we can have as well. So with this being the foundation, uh, I want to kind of continue to break this down. But why do? what is this foundation for? Uh, well, obviously, if you follow along with the logic of Hebrews, it's because there is a race that has been set out before us. Right? The metaphor that the Bible follows is that this race is the life and the journey that we are all on. And as we live this life here on Earth, we are all spiritual athletes and we are commissioned or commanded to participate and run in this race. But in order for us to run this race, there are a few things that we have to do uh, that Hebrew kind of lays out for us. And we're going to break that down. If you continue to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, uh, it says, after we look back uh, at the cloud of witnesses. Um, in chapter 11, or the testimonies of those uh, of our past, the book of Hebrew calls us to do another interesting thing, which is to lay aside every weight. Now, uh, next slide, please. If you look at the Hebrew or the, the Greek, um, the word weight uh, is onkis or onkos, right? It's literally translated into bulk or, uh, or a weight, Um, But basically, if you go to the next slide, the word describes a burden or something so heavy and cumbersome that it impedes a runner from running his race as he should. So think with me. If you look at any marathon runner or if maybe you yourself have ran any marathon or experienced anything like that, um, you know that it's not practical or logical to run with things in your pocket or to run with a backpack or anything like that. And especially when it comes to long distance or whatever, uh, that's usually the case, right? You don't want to carry weight around with you. Uh, When I ran my first 5K, the first 5K I ever uh, ran uh, was out in Kentucky during a convention for GYC and i remember it was like early in the morning and i remember like bringing my phone my wallet my keys like a water bottle like i literally brought everything with me uh and you know i went with my sisters we ran together but also there was a student uh that i had uh, previously taught before um he looked at me and he questioned he's like tim like why are you bringing all these things on a 5k like you should have just left that in the hotel. Like, that's unnecessary. And so obviously, you know, that affected my running. And, uh, you know, I had to carry this weight. Another illustration, uh, when I went to go climb um, uh, the, the mountain or uh, hiked, uh, Mount, uh, I think it's Mount San Bernardino. I forget which one it is. But it's out in the Inland Empire. Uh, it's like the 10,000 feet one. Um, I remember bringing a backpack full, filled with, like, camera equipment. Because I thought, oh, this should be a walk in the park. I'll just like take some pictures and take some videos for a project that I was working on, uh, and that was like the biggest mistake ever. Like I was carrying like ten pounds on my back, and it was the worst experience. Right. So very logically, when it comes to a race, when it comes to anything of long endurance, uh, typically we wouldn't want to carry a lot of weight with us. Um, so think about it these days, uh, if you think about like the gear that people wear, like the shoes that that is being created these days, uh, it's designed and created to be lightweight, right? It's not supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to, you know, like like clothing is supposed to be wind resistant uh, and it's supposed to optimize the performance in which you have in running a race or whatever task that you are doing. So in the same way, when it comes to spiritual athletes, which we all are, which all of you are, there are many, many things uh, that become weights in our spiritual race right? and become unnecessary to the race that we are set out to run. As Isaiah stated last week in 1 Corinthians 9:24 and 27, Paul tells us that uh, we run not for a perishable crown, but we're running for an imperishable crown. So we run to obtain a life everlasting uh, with our Lord and Savior. But in order for us to get there, it's important that we learn to lay aside every weight that may hold us down, anything and everything that may hinder us from obtaining this imperishable crown. So I can think of a few things off the top of my head, right? I can think of things like 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 different addictions, right? Um, drugs, alcohol, things like that. Uh, but even things like fame, honor, like school, money, work, right? But you're probably thinking, okay, pastor, but like, wait, some of these things don't seem like bad things. Like school? Like maybe some of you guys are like rejoicing. Like, oh, pastor says school is a, is a bad thing. It's a weight. Let's get rid of it, right? Uh, but um, they're not necessarily bad. Okay, like, don't get me wrong. Inherently, some of these things like school, like work, right money like things like this are not necessarily bad but when they become a weight in your christian walk when they become a bulk that gets in the way of your christian race that's when we have a problem and this is what the book of hebrews is trying to tell us if we want to successfully run the race that has been set out before us we have to learn how to lay aside every weight and if you look at the cloud of witnesses i mean think about it in chapter 11 this is exactly what the people in our Bibles did. They realized in order to run their own race, they had to learn to let go, to lay aside the weights that held them back. I can think of one person, if you think of Moses, as he was commanded to leave uh, his hometown. Imagine, like everything that he had the comfort, the stability all of these things are not necessarily bad. But when it comes to running the race that God sets out before us, it's learning to let go of those things and learning to run the race that is set before us. Now, this closely ties together uh, with the next thing, uh, but the book of Hebrew continues. And he says it's not just laying aside the weights, right? It's also learning to let go of the sin that easily ensnares us. Or some of your translations may say, uh, some uh, of the sins that easily entangles you, right? Uh, When a runner runs, it's important that they're free of anything that hinders them Uh, from running Um, you know before when I used to run a lot more often than I do now uh, I used to have earphones that were wired and they would go down to my phone and sometimes while you're running you know your arm catches it and you know you throw your phone out or it comes out of your ears and you know I did it all the time when I was at the gym and then eventually I switched to Bluetooth so it's like not connected to my phone I can run comfortably right so when you think about a runner or any kind of athlete it's important that they keep things away from them so it doesn't hinder their performance, Just as weights hold a person's back or a person down, sin is something that can easily hinder us from the race that we run. And I think this is very clear and obvious when we look and examine at what sin does for us or does to us in our world, right? If you look at at the ramifications, the effects, uh, the consequences of what sin does, right? Hebrews, the book of Hebrews understands this concept well. Paul understands this even more better, right? And people throughout the Bible understood that sin was something that de- de- deterred them away from a run with God, right? Sin can break people apart. It can break apart families. It can destroy communities, whether it be personal sin or sins of a community or a group of people. These are all things that can hinder us from keeping our eyes on the prize. So, uh, so far, Hebrew has laid out this kind of structure, right? He's talked about the preparation, right? The training in which we are to partake in when it comes to running the race, right? First, look back at the cloud of witnesses. When you look at Hebrews 11, be encouraged, be reminded, be inspired to see what people have done before when they've learned to let go and run their race, And, and then... The second thing is the book of Hebrews encourages us to learn to lay aside any weight or sin that may hold us back from running the race. Anything that may, dis, that may distract you from keeping your eyes on, on uh, the race. But once you've established uh, these steps, uh, that's when we begin the race. And the book of Hebrews says that we have to run, but it's not just any kind of running. It's running with endurance okay now something that i found interesting for the greek word to run as you see uh if we can go to the next slide um for the greek word for run that hebrews is using here is agon okay uh but this is the root for the english word agony or agonize and if you're familiar with like english vocabulary agony and agonize uh have a kind of a negative connotation, right? It kind of a a heavy word, right? Um, And basically, this word is translated as like a contest, but it's not like friendly competition, like, oh, let's go shoot some hoops, right? It's describing a contest in which there is this aspect of struggle, right? Uh, think about any athlete that you enjoy watching. For those that are fans of sports of uh, or anything of sports, or if you're familiar, right, whether you're a fan of the NBA and you like watching Steph Curry or Paul George, or if you're a fan of the NFL and you're looking at Tom Brady, um, or if you're a, a, a fan of Seattle like me, then, you know, Russell Wilson. If you is just a fan of the Korean national team, the soccer team, you know, Park Ji-sung or Son Heung min like, you think of these players, Right. Does it look like these guys, as they compete in their athletics or whatever specialty that they have, does it look like they're enjoying themselves in the sense of it's a walk in the park? Uh, I think that if you look, um, not all the time. That's not necessarily the case. When it comes to their respective sports, you see them. They're gassed. They're out of breath. They're, They're running with all their might and they're competing. They're partaking in a race or in a competition that is not necessarily easy. And it's a struggle. But this is the point. The reason why the book of Hebrew calls us to run the race with endurance is because very well he knows that the race is not an easy race. The race is a race that will have its challenges. You see, a lot of the times I think in our church and, and a lot of like Christian circles and communities, uh, the Christian walk is painted. As this kind of like very easy, you know, a frolic in the park. Uh, You know, they picture all these like good times. They say like, yo, just follow God. If you follow God, like God will take care of you. You know, as long as you just pray and do all of these things, like everything will line up just perfectly. Um, And they say like, yeah, follow God, no pain, no suffering. But the reality of the race that we are all set to run is, if anything, uh, is everything but that, right? The race that we are all set to run on, it's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging, it'll take a toll on you. And I think the book of Hebrew beautifully describes that, right? When we look at it in the English, obviously we just see race and it doesn't mean that much. When you look at the Greek, it's very clearly saying that it's something that's going to bring struggling uh, and it's going to require endurance. Right? Now, you may be thinking, okay, now that I've kind of describe this race as something that's challenging and hard, you might think like, okay, well, pastor, if that's the case, then why would anyone in their right mind want to put themselves through that? Why would anyone want to run a race that will cause struggle, that will cause difficulty, right? We live in a culture and a society that emphasizes this. Yeah, take the easy way, like shortcuts. Everyone loves a shortcut, right? Like, oh, less work? Let me take that route, right? And that's kind of just the mentality that we have. But why would we want to put through, put ourselves through a Christian race that is filled with struggles and challenges and ups and downs? Look at the athletes, right? Look at just everyday athletes. Let's think about this. Uh, One of my favorite athletes, uh, and this is a little of an exposing of myself. um, A lot of people told me before, like, if I was going to live in L.A., then I need to adopt L.A. teams. Uh, But I have a hard time doing that. So uh, I still stick to my birth town uh, teams. And so uh, I have a huge bias towards anything that's from Seattle. Um, And so obviously, when it comes to like football, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Seattle Seahawks. But more importantly, uh, as an athlete, I really enjoy watching Russell Wilson play. Uh, which is he's the quarterback, right? He's, he and the team, you know, bring the first Super Bowl to Seattle, and it was, it was victorious, right? Super Bowl forty-eight. Um, I, it was a very happy year for me because I knew, like, this is the start of something amazing for a city that suffered for so many years. But then uh, he always does these interviews, especially now, that talk about the very infamous Super Bowl that he went to the year after, uh, where he was intercepted on the one-yard line. Uh, a yard away from winning uh, a second Super Bowl in a row. And people, you know, in these interviews that they have with him, they always joke around and stuff. Or sometimes they're just like saying, you know, oh, man, you should have ran the ball or like someone should have ran it instead. Like you you guys could have won it that easily, but you had to throw it. Like, like you know, they always ask him. But he always responds in a very interesting way. And there's many different interviews that he has. But the gist of the of what he says is he always says, he says, you know, you're going to win some, but you're also going to lose some. And it hurts. It's not fun. It's not, it's not great. Uh, and I don't like it, but it is what it is, right? But I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going until I win again. Even if it means going through losses again and again. Because I won't let those losses determine my future. I have my eyes on bringing back another prize to Seattle. Oh, I hope so. But in the same way, when we look at the spiritual athletes, right, when we look at us, why do we keep going on this Christian race, even if it's challenging, even if it's difficult, even if it means we experience moments of ups and downs, wins and losses? It's because there's a goal and there's a prize and there's something that is so worth it and so valuable that in the end, of course, even if it's not all good times, the end result is so, so worth it. And I think this highlights a very important aspect of running the Christian race. And as you continue and look and see at the end part, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, right? Hebrews continues and talks about the way in which we're able to run this race with endurance is because we are looking at an individual. We are looking at somebody as the goal and the prize. And that is none other than Jesus, that we are able to run the race Endurance. And you see, this is the key. This is where it all comes down to. This is the only way in which we can successfully run the Christian race with endurance. The next slide says, in order for us to run the race set before us, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. You see, it's not only about getting rid of the weights and the preparation that it takes for us to run the race, but ultimately, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. The author, the finisher of our faith. And you see, when, it's, when we keep our eyes on Him, we are able to endure through it all. You see, next slide, it says, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we remember that He ran and endured the most difficult race ever. You see, as He came to this earth, as He was tested as he was attacked, as Jesus was persecuted and falsely accused, and when Jesus was crucified on the cross. When we look back at this this gospel and the story of what Jesus did for us, knowingly came down to this earth, knowing that in the end that he would have to die this gruesome death, a death where he would feel completely forsaken from God, He ran the most difficult race ever to run. But if the story ended there, if Jesus was crucified and he died and that was it, it would be a very sad and frankly a very confusing ending to our story. But I praise God that this isn't the case, as we all know that this is not the case, because Jesus finished the race. He ran that race for us. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57 says this, This is, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, next slide. When we look to Jesus, when we fix our eyes on him, we celebrate that Jesus has won his race and given us the opportunity to win ours. Church, the book of Hebrews tells us, and as we'll see in this series that we all have a race that has been set out before us. So as we prepare our hearts and our minds, as we look back to the testimonies of those uh, heroes and heroines of great that lived out a life of faith, as we look to their example, their inspiration, and we apply it to our lives, and ultimately when we look back to the greatest race that was ever ran by Jesus Christ, as he sacrificed his life and his all, so that we could have the opportunity to run our race, let us be encouraged, let us be inspired, and let us be motivated. Let us learn and be willing to lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily ensnares us, that so binds us and pulls us apart. Let us learn to let these go, and let us learn to continuously fix our eyes on Jesus. Church, I want to challenge you guys this Sabbath and for the next week and the few weeks ahead and for the rest of our lives to remember and remind ourselves that the race is going to be a challenge. But despite the challenges that we may face, that we have a hope and that we have an end goal that is so worth it, but it's also important that we learn to continue to fix our eyes on Him. Let's pray.